her jobs in a wig. Because what does she her... do? What is her job? Rewind. Dave, do that again. Oh, okay. Your sister. All right. My sister. Sister. Actually... Your sister. <laughs> oh, Nechan. Uh, which, is, which is actually what I call her. And Google recognizes Nechan in my phone. Like, I can be like, call Nechan. And it wait, calls wait, my sister. Wait, wait, wait. What uh, reference were you? Re- I was referencing Orphan Black. Oh, uh, well, Nechan just means sister. Oh. Oh. Yeah, Nechan just means sister, and I have called her that since sixth grade, and that is what she responds to, and that is what I have trained Google Voice to recognize in my phone. I can literally be like, call Nechan, and there it goes, and it calls my twin. Uh, But what I was saying is that, so her hair is purple, and so when she goes to work, and it's just paper pushing work, it's just a lot of the time she's a receptionist, she was a concierge to one of the high-rises here... Uh, in the city and like but she'll go to work in a wig so that she can keep her purple hair that's cool yeah wow but sad that she can't she agrees and we've been trying as she gets older to essentially not apply to any jobs that won't accept her hair but i think as time goes on like in my current position since most of the executives are closer to age to me than they were before yeah that's why they're so relaxed you know and there are uh, definitely dress code. Yeah. As long as there's not a client in the office, we can wear, you know, jeans and a t-shirt as long as the t-shirt doesn't have some any sort of advertisements on it. And then when a client comes in, we have to, you know, dress more appropriately mm-hmm. in air quotes for an office environment, you know, to pretend like we dress like this all the time. <laughs> I have definitely been let go because an employer did not like my headphones before. Wow. Yeah, but it was a contract job. When I was in my 20s and I started as a network engineer, I was covered in uh, piercings. Yes. And over time, they were like, eh, it's not allowed, you need to take it out. And, even yeah. the one, and then it, eventually I just took them all out because... Someone once gave me advice that whether you're permanent or not, you should always mentally prime yourself to be a freelancer. Mm. Like, you should always be ready to leave. And actually, I constantly keep my LinkedIn... My branded networks always refreshed. So do I. Because I, yeah, because you got, because you never know when you should bounce, and you should definitely bounce before they start. Break uh, up with them. Yes, break up with them. <laughs> yes, like I agree with that. That's why I keep a cyanide capsule in my pocket all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's time to bounce. <laughs> Here we go. But yeah, like you got to tuck and roll out, uh, like before they spend you, like you, because you're going to have to start interviewing and going on those first dates with like the the new, the one, the the next job, like, and you've got to hit that. I like to say whenever I waitress, like you've got to be able to hit the next table as though the last table didn't just abuse you for an hour. Mm-hmm. I always tell my friends that are looking for a job and thinking about it, it's always best to go for it. Mm. When you have a job and you're doing well, yeah. because you come with that attitude, you come with that experience and that like that sense of like accomplishment rather than they can tell when you're the sharks can tell when you're desperate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is like dating. Like they, they don't want to hire anyone too thirsty. Exactly. Yeah. All righty. Well, that sounds like a perfect place to get into it. <laughs> Oh, 
but secretly timid. <laughs> I I used to be Megs, and I'm here with uh, John. Hi. And return special guest Nezu. Hi. And new special guest Maxwell. Hi. Hi. Hello. We're so glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Oh. <laughs> Uh, John, do we have a featured song of the week? We do. It is the song is called "Arcane Rambler" by the Budos Bland, Band, not Bland, the Budos Band, and their album. It's either I should have done a little bit more research. <laughs> the new album is either called V uh-huh. or it's Roman numeral five, uh-huh. which is V. Right, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's out on April twelfth on Daptone Records. Um, this is, it's a little different than the music we usually play on to Secretly Timid because I listen to it. It's all, there's, it's just instrumental. Um, guitar player, oh wait, over the course of their nearly decade and a half long career, the 60s, 70s influenced Afro soul instrumental bands, thunderous and eclectic sound has known no bounds. Buddhist band five is a collection of expertly crafted, uh, ex- expertly crafted, Energizing guitar licks, syncopated percussion precision, vigorous horns, and validates that the band is in their most monumental form to date. So enjoy that. Man, that's singing my song. That was expertly executed, John. Everyone is clawing their way through this podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) We got a brief bit of good weather, switched back to cold. Everyone's half hungover. Uh Y'all are doing great. Well, not everyone. I'm not. I'm not not either. (laughs) Okay. Emotionally, maybe. But yeah, that's it. (laughs) Emotionally hungover sounds like essentially like my status quo. A friend of mine always likes to say this. We get emotional stretch marks. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's... I like the way my voice sounds. <laughs> I have emotional cellulite. That's better. It's like you can never get rid of it. That's it's always hard. there. Yeah, oh. like I, I'm very squeezy. <laughs> very dimply. Very emotionally cute. squeezy. <laughs> oh, fuck. So. Are you ready for the, yeah. the other bumper? Oh, we're going to do that again? We're okay, going to do that yeah. right now. All right. Drink my drink too fast. Now it's almost gone. Oh. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this new format yet. Well, I think it's. I think it's weird. It. You gotta try it a little bit. See, now it's now it's just it's. Don't you don't feel any pressure about like oh you have got to no. Uh, I always felt pressure like you're talking too much about your stupid fucking week and we have no time to talk about. I never feel pressure story. about anything. Mm-hmm. Everything's bullshit. Nothing we, matters. We are in that acclimation period. Well. Dating in the Big D matters, so we should probably talk about that. Okay. Awesome. The podcast that Megan and I have both been on, but it hasn't been released yet. It will be (laughs) Meg's episode. Thank you for that (laughs) intro. (laughs) Meg's episode, um, That Man, will be released this week. Ooh. Very cool. The engineer uh, subscribed to your podcast. It's awesome. Yeah. Has he listened to it yet? I don't think so. My nephews listen to it. Oh, how old are they? Um, like eighteen and nineteen. Oh, okay. But it's you know interesting to have them like listen to me talk about my dick. 
You, talk, you didn't talk about your dick on the episode I was on. Remember, we were talking about how big that I have a big one. You have a big dick? Yeah, <laughs> we talked about that. Well, we don't listen too. to it. Yeah. Do you remember oh. how we talked about I have a big dick? <laughs> <laughs> remember? Right. Do you? So, I remember. Like, how big is it? It's pretty big. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? It's relative. <laughs> but relative to what? Um, to a little dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how is everyone's week slash news week? That is a soul body dichotomy. Uh, well, let's let's uh, let's get get a rundown. Uh, so you are the one of the hosts of a podcast about dating in the Dallas. The international sensation that is dating in the Big D. Yeah. Oh, excellent. We have some listeners from um, Eastern Europe, from the Eastern Bloc. Cool. And from Finland. That's how you know you've made it when right. Slovakia is listening. And we have a follower on podcast. No, I'm sorry, on SoundCloud. Um, I'm not sure what her affiliation is, but it has something to do with like right wing Aryanism. Oh no, is in her yeah is in her um, screen name. So I'm like, well, I mean, maybe she can. Get they have to out of date it. too. They do have to date too. And they, actually, I'd prefer if they didn't. They have the ups and downs of dating as well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, white people are the oppressed people now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, white! You white people. <laughs> it's a fun podcast. It's a labor of love. Tell us a little bit about it. How long has this been going? And it's been going on since September. Mm-hmm. Um, so what came about is um, one time I was at having. Uh, well, I don't drink, but I was with at some at some uh, Lakewood bar with um, my two co-hosts now. Mm-hmm. Um, Summer and Charlie, and um, we're just going off and on about our dating experiences, and it was hilarious. It's always like the embarrassing stuff, like you know, like on TV shows or radio shows, people are like, "Oh, it's so hot, I'm having such a great time, and I have all these men, and blah blah blah." And ours weren't like that. They were they're embarrassing and they're hilarious and they're like just tragic. And so, like, this would be great, you know. This is stuff that people actually talk about, yeah. And then people can understand and relate to, like, yeah, it's ugly, it's messy, it's embarrassing. It's well, these funny. are the things that make us us, right? What was your worst date? My worst date? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I love stories like those. So, um, I'm trying to think, what is my worst date? I'm surprised you don't have that one queued up, buddy. Yes, I have mine queued up. No, I, I mean, I, I definitely had experiences, like especially like in my 20s, mm-hmm. when um, there's not that communication and what you really, really want. Or I'd go like, I mean, the worst place to go to a date is a bar. Mm. you know or a club i mean mm. you just don't go to a first date and so i would go like on a on a date on a first date we're gonna meet a guy up at a club or at a bar and then they leave with somebody else oh. or, they're, or, or they're that taking, was my worst date i think you did mention that and that they're yeah and he's married up. now to the person that he was t- chatting to on our date megan oh. megan is the one what that, what mark what oh really yeah you want to uh that was your worst date that was one of my worst date. The other worst date was the guy that that when I was going down and him said eat my sack, and then I started laughing and had to excuse myself because I couldn't continue. What, I think you, it was you don't cute like laughing you during sex. Excuse yourself. Not like eat my sack. No, just bury just your like, face I in can't, that and then laugh I can't. into the no. Into I the like sack. the, the, the <laughs> spell. The spell was broken. That that does happen. You get the giggle, giggle factor sometimes. I got oh grossed gosh. out too. Like right. who says that? I just uh, look down and like I, I can't I can't lick this pink scrotum. I got to get the fuck out. Oh no, it's I think pink like a rabbit. 
Oh my gosh! No, laughing. A little bit of brown is always good. Not in that. That doesn't sound. No, no, what? No, no, not that way. Back it up. Talk about pink scrotums. A little bit like more skin tone color rather than pink. (laughs) (laughs) Brown is never good in that occasion. But (laughs) editing floor. Oh wait, we don't edit. Oh sorry, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh! I I do have. so I did want to bring up. Oh, actually, we we get topics, right? Or how, what happens? Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up something relative to that. My experience yesterday, but we can wait. No, that. we can okay. do it. Whatever. Yeah, so, um, keeping true to the podcast, we don't come back until April fifteenth. So um, I don't get to share the story because once we have a story and it passes, then it passes. So um, last night I was with some friends at a Buzz Brews on Lemon Avenue, and um, there was this really cute guy. He kind of had this like Clark Kent look to him, mm-hmm. and I just immediately had a crush. And we we're kind of making eyes and stuff like that. And and so, uh-huh. when a guy's checking me out, I tend to be more 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 boisterous. Yeah. And so maybe they'll notice me more. Yeah, and peacock g- a little. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> giggling, and then I told my friends, <laughs> I leaned forward like, tell him how, <laughs> mention how hot I am. <laughs> <laughs> like I was saying at brunch, <laughs> talk about how big my dick is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And uh, but so they were like, and then one of my friends is kind of tacky, and he was talking about like just the weirdest, grossest shit. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't look so good. Anyway, um, they went to go smoke, and I don't smoke, so I walked over and I was like, oh, so I like your glasses, very Clark Kent like. And he was like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, so what are you doing? What are you studying? He's, I'm a medical student. I was like, ooh, ooh, very cool. <laughs> and so I started telling the whole like, well, I'm in school too, blah blah blah. When I go to graduate school and talking to him and everything, I was like, well, good luck with your studies and everything. And and so my friends came back, and I was like, um, I talked to him, I talked to him, he's so cute, blah, blah, blah. And he's all <laughs> smiling and giggling and everything about what we're saying. And um, so they were like, get his number. I'm like, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it felt really contrived. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so we left, got the check, and we left. And then they're like, you should have gotten the number. And then they were joking around, like, we can go back and get, like, dessert. I'm like, yeah, we could. So oh, we, that wouldn't look contrived. So we Asking for the phone number would be weird, but going back for dessert after you'd already paid your bill, that's... What I would have done. Well, being the lampoon <laughs> that my life is, we went back. Oh, mm-hmm. God. <laughs> so my friend has one of those little, like, um, the little, like, um, what's it called? Um, jewel or lighter things or smoke things. The... The like e-cigarettes. E-cigarette. Oh. Okay. Right. So he's like, well, what I'm going to do is we'll go back. He was at the booth right in front of us. So he's like, what I'll do is I'll go in first. He goes, I'll be your wingman. He's like, I'll go in first and act like I'm looking for my jewel. And then like, oh, here it is. And you guys walk in behind me. And I'm like, this is so stupid. And he was like, no, no, it'll work. And so um, he was like, okay. So he went in there, went into, into the booth that we were in before. And he's like, found it. And then he walks in. And then we're walking behind him. He's like, can we stay for dessert? I'm like. I guess we can stay for dessert. <laughs> and so we sit back down and we're talking and making eyes with the guy and everything. And so we can only eat so much dessert because we already had pancakes, we already had breakfast. Now we're having a shake and now we're having dessert. And we're getting like, uh. And so he was still there studying and being all cute and everything. And so they're like, okay, we ate. So and I asked for the check. I'm like, okay, we're going to leave. And they're like, this is your chance. Are you guys mm. announcing it? Okay, I'm going to get the check. <laughs> Uh, we ate. We're finished. My friend has a big dick. Fork down. Oh. <laughs> we, we did. <laughs> huh? So how much fakeness do you guys tolerate? Like, would, you, would you be flattered if essentially someone bent 
like the restaurant around you into a theater, or would you be freaked out? <laughs> if they were cute, then yes, I would. <laughs> so it's so it's always that it depends on how sexy the person who's free being freaky deaky at me. Exactly. Is. So they went out and they're like, "We took the car," and so I paid, and I'm walking. I'm like, "Hey, so have a great night." Um, Away, and uh, he's like, "I'm Mike," and I'm like, "Oh, oh the way you're Maxwell." Oh, I'm gonna have to fuck. edit that out. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I said, "I'm Maxwell," and he's like, "I'm Mike," and I was like, "Okay, great. Well, it was good to meet you." At that point, it was just too contrived. Yeah. What? <laughs> you didn't ask for the phone number then. You it, went through all that fucking work. It doesn't end there. Oh, oh, good. Oh, <laughs> okay. oh. So I go outside, and my friends are like, "Did you get the number?" Did you like, I just, I couldn't. It just seemed too, you know, in our. It just, just didn't seem right at this point. Uh, and so my friend was like, "Fuck this! I'm going inside for you." I'm like, "No, you're not." He's like, "Yeah, I'm going." He runs in there, and he comes out with a number, and he says. Um, so I told the guy, my friend's really shy, but he would like your number. He thinks you're cute. And the guy was like, get this. I'm really flattered. I'm not gay. But here's my number if you would like to talk about psychology oh. and, med- and medicine. Oh. I'd be happy to talk. Well, that's a win. You can, you can get that I think, I think he You was, can get that I think, I think he was gay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be know yet. rapey, you guys. Oh. No, 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 no. Consensual get the dick out. Our cons- get the our, dick out. Our <laughs> consensus was that maybe he just wasn't comfortable talking about being gay. Mm. There's always a chance. Right. In at, uh, at Buzz Brews on Levin Avenue in, in Oakland. I don't know. Like, there's that dude that's running for president, uh, Pete Budapest. Yeah. And he uh, ran as an elected official as a mayor and was an elected official for years as like a 30-year-old millennial gay man with like a stable relationship. And it turned and out he was straight. <laughs> no, no. But he just, it took a while for him to be comfortable talking about it. I think that we, probably everyone keeps some type of closet. I was really thinking about the fact that like, ooh, he was listening to our conversation. Well, duh, we were so loud about it. You know? <laughs> so it wasn't as endearing and cute as I thought it Aww. was. But, um, you know, what would you guys have done? At what point would you ask for the, or would you just have left and not ever ask for the number? Isn't isn't the walking up uh, and starting the conversation the hard part? I mean, haven't you already done the hardest bit? What? Why does it feel more risky to you after that point to ask for the phone number? I think what it was is that if I was alone, I think I would have been okay asking for the number. Mm-hmm. The fact that I had to come back with results mm. and saying um. that I didn't do it myself. Rather than saying I got shot down, mm. which I don't think he would have. He was really engaged, so he would have probably would have told me the same thing. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm not gay. Here's my number if you want. But that's kind of weird. Yeah, here's my number if you want to talk. So I've been you, checking my phone all day, and I get no text coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you text him? I did. Ooh, oh, what did you say? Hi. No kidding. <laughs> Hi. Hello. <laughs> no, I was like, hey, this is from Buzz Bruce. This is Max Maxwell. Oh, God. <laughs> Making me do more work. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. This is Maxwell from Buzz, Buzz Bruce. We were there earlier. My friend got your number for me because I was awkwardly shy. Hmm. However, hey, thanks for being a great sport. And I left it at that. Nice. Actually, no, that's not what happened. I said, <laughs> I mistyped it. I put, thank you for being a goof sport. Oh, no. Good I one. know. And then an hour one. later, I had to correct it with, my bad, sorry, good sport. So I, it's... It, 
it always happens like that with me. It's never, I'm never graceful. I'm not a gazelle. I'm more like, you know, and I talk about the podcast, like, you know, people walk like, you know, I'm a model. I'm so hot. Not me, but people do. Mm-hmm. I said, no, for me, I stumble and fall as long as I get myself back up. Then. Yeah. That's what's always important to me. Yeah. Embarrassing though, but yes. Yeah. No, like the resilience, the resilience is kind of sexy. <laughs> like, no, I mean it. Like being able to hold your head high after stumbling. Right. Yeah. Because people like laughter. People like to laughter. So, you know. Yeah. And, and I stand by that. Resilience is sexy. I used to talk about my friends with, um, about, in college, we used to do this whole, like, you know, act like we're models and walk around, like, walking the catwalk. And mm-hmm. that can be cute. People stare at that. People look at that. However, who talks to models? Nobody. Who goes up to models? No one. The paparazzi takes pictures from afar. People want to gawk at you. But who's approachable is the one that falls, the ones that smile, the one that talks to you, not the ones that are, you know, inapproachable or not the ones. And there are actually studies that do show that really beautiful people get out, get asked out less because mm. they are inapproachable. They are, they are seen as that. All so right. if you get asked out a lot, then that means you're ugly? Yeah, so I don't get asked out Maxwell at all. Maxwell is so. team mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get asked out at all. And we talk about people, like, we ask our listeners, like, no, our guests, um, what makes you a dating guru? And they're like, I'm not a dating guru. I'm like, actually, you are. You're still single, and you're trying. That makes you a guru. You have experience. So, hmm. Yeah. Let's see here. So you think he's, you think he's gay? Wishfully thinking, yes. Mm-hmm. What makes you think that? He pinged the, the old gaydar. Uh, he kept looking at me and smiling at me the whole time while we were talking. Hmm. But that could be because you were smiling and looking at him. <laughs> Those mirror neurons. Yeah. Yep. It is true. We were making a lot of eye contact, but it could be that he was scared. <laughs> why is this guy? Why is this guy like, like staring at me? I'm like, going to need to remember this man's face <laughs> for the police. No. Oh my gosh. So, Meg, what was your week about? Uh, what was my week about? What the fuck happened this week? Uh, I went. Uh, I went to dinner with a colleague. Cool. Um, oh, you're making friends at work. I am. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I am. Um, she's a, a psychologist. She's a. She's an anxious little guy. Um, I think she's really. I think she's really funny. Um, she sticks up for herself a lot in the meetings mm-hmm. um which i think is great but it's uh, uh consequently it has created she is now a target for our boss mm. so um so she talked about that a lot it 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 consumes her she i asked her like you know what do you what do you do after work and she's like um you know i go home and she said uh she thinks about this work conflict like all the time, hmm. which sounds horrible. See, uh, now I have a, I have like a program that I run through my mind anytime I have a conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the first gate is, is it true? And so you confirm whether something giving you anxiety is true or not. Uh, it could be macro. It could be like macro political, some of the news and the ambiance. But is it true? And if it doesn't pass that gate, you just throw it away. Just put that in the recycle bin. It has to be true for you to have anxiety about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second gate is, is it useful? And if it doesn't pass, is it true, is it useful? Then I just throw it away. It's like a flow chart. Yeah. 
Well, my brain is flowcharts. I do something very similar. I tell myself, is it based on evidence? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think about the four agreements. You know, am I making an assumption? Hmm. Am I taking it personal? Hmm. And whatever the other two are. But yeah, I mean, basically, <laughs> basically, I ask myself that, you know, and then let it go. Yeah. Because my crazy will continue to go in my head and say this and then just catastrophize without yeah. even having evidence that you, anything's You here. don't want to clog your bandwidth. It's limited. You, and is, it really, a, is it really about me? Yeah. Yeah. It, that, everything is about me. Well, it kinda, <laughs> what you just said, it kind of reminded me of a pseudo-sexist conversation that a couple of my male coworkers had. Because um, we're part of the early morning crew where we get there before everybody else. And uh, one of them, I, I was listening like halfway through the conversation before I felt the need to chime in, like, you know, because I can't keep my mouth shut. But they were saying the juxta of it was that women are, so, there's so much drama with women because the men in the office don't never argue, but the women in the office, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of like drama that goes so around much between of that them. Is narrative, though. But then I also said, well, isn't, and I just pointed out, well, there's like a handful of men in our office and a whole lot of women in the office. So maybe that's more of the personality just because there's so many different personalities over there than it being a gendered based thing. Yeah. I don't, I just threw that in. I don't know. But they were trying to say that women are uh, more, uh, I guess, aggressively aggressive towards one another than men are in the business but i was like i don't even <laughs> that, I, don't, I don't know about that, that has but the, but the fact that you're that the that your boss is a woman and yeah. she's got her crosshairs on another woman mm-hmm. i don't know she um so so this this boss what do we call her louisiana lisa or something <laughs> isn't that what you called her um but we do need to point out that women are often pitted against each other all the time in our oh, society absolutely yes yes that is true um uh we're also gaslighted a lot. We're mm. taught to accurate um feel like we are crazy. Um and what we care about is not valid. Anyway, I could go on and on about that, but I'm not going to. Um she was not in the office this week, but she she sent me a, a message saying, um, uh, who's who's doing who's on the schedule for this at this time? And I said, well, we're not doing um, set scheduling for that today because there aren't enough people. And she's like, uh, um, I said the email said that. And she said, what email? And I said, the one that I got we got from you know this coworker I had the dinner with. And uh, she goes, send me that email. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, oh. No, I I don't have it anymore. I <laughs> I deleted it and burned it. <laughs> and she said, uh, "Already?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> and she said, um, "Well, then, how do you see the um, the schedule all day if you already deleted it?" And I said, "Because I open up the Excel spreadsheet." And I minimize it on my desktop, and then I clean out my trash bin in Outlook. And then there were no more questions. But why do I have to go she that wants, far? I think she wants you to be her little spy. Yes, she, she mm. wants me to help her nail this woman, who mm-hmm. didn't do anything wrong, by the way. So she's feeling threatened. Yes, absolutely. She's, she's always defensive about everything. Um, 
I really don't. So, so during the dinner that I had with this coworker, she was like, um, you know, how do you feel about this whole thing? And I said, I really don't give a shit. I go to work and then at four thirty, I stop working and I don't think about work until I go back to work. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, exactly what I said. What I like, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I like my job. I think it's interesting, but I'm not going to fucking give it any more time than it pays me for. Um, So that blew her mind, which makes me sad because it means that she's thinking about work all the time Mm -hmm. in her studio apartment uh, where she doesn't know her neighbors. And and, uh, she seemed very impressed that uh, I hang out with my friends almost every day. Oh, hmm. I said, she said, are you happy? And I said, uh, yeah, my life is fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, I can't remember a time when my life was better than it is right now. So, oh um, gosh. well, more of that. Yeah. Know, you make me want to move up here so I can hang out with you more. Oh, well do it. Mm. You should do I it. I hate moving. Get movers. Yeah. Uh, that's the best. I will. If I ever move again, I will always hire move- movers. You you could sell. Jimmy hired me movers firing. the last time I moved, and I'm sold on it. I'm totally fucking. Sold oh yeah, on it's it. amazing. Oh, God, yeah. I had movers bring all my shit from West Virginia. Yeah, and they put it. They put it all up for you. Mm-hmm. It was expensive great. as fuck, though. But it's so much Max, worth. So, so worth it. I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. So how do you? navigate through when something like that at work is going on and they're asking you for your input it seems like a really unhealthy environment that she's creating for you uh it is but i don't um i mean it's not centered on me so i think it's probably harder for her because she is a target um but i just uh I don't, I'm not sure how to answer that question. I, I just don't care about it. Is there a human resources? Oh, yeah. Do you think going to that per supervisor might do anything? Because it just, it just seems, for me, I don't like, I mean, my, my job is much less consequential than yours. Um, but with at least within my department, there's such a sense of camaraderie with with all of us mm-hmm. that we don't ever really argue, but there, there is, um, there is some drama like that in some other departments, but it just, to me, it just seems so counterproductive to like, why, you know? Yeah. Like, what's the point? You're just, you're, you're not helping anybody. You're not helping yourself. Why do you want to go someplace and be miserable? You know, like, I just don't, I don't understand that. Right. I it just either. doesn't, it doesn't, I don't see the benefit of you mean for my coworker somebody, or my no boss? for your boss oh. to target like are they not good at their job well if I think she has a personality disorder and then, no I don't think then she's I don't, good at her then job I don't think that your supervisor's the best fit for her position and <laughs> take her out yeah no. and then, then no, I mean <laughs> HR needs to know because somebody that like Nezu that told can me really to kill you so no, no, here no, I am no, 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 the Terminator no. yeah come with, come with me if you want to live <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it shouldn't be personal, you know, because it's yeah. business. No, it's like you're, you're you're a great person, but you are not suited for this role. Oh, she's <laughs> so not a great person. To, I, well, I was saying that to, so that she doesn't feel bad. That's a compliment. No, I, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> compliment negative, a compliment. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I mean, I think HR should definitely know because the anxiety of your superiors aren't your problem. Yeah, like let let them. I promise you that a 
problem su- superior, well, they'll self-emulate if you just leave them alone. Right. That or she's always going to find somebody to target. So mm-hmm. if she and she's always going to any anybody I think with this type of complex, even if they got your coworker out, mm-hmm. they would just focus on oh, somebody sure. else yeah, because yeah, that yeah. takes the attention Absolutely. off of them. Well, um, I, I told my coworker that, um, I mean, I, none of this really bothers me that much. Um, and But it can't feel good to be have your supervisor constantly be like, hey, what did so-and-so I do I mean, today? it annoys me, but only for a few minutes, and then I start thinking about something else. That's so My job is very busy. And I know, I know. So, John, what's your hot topic? What's your week? What's your composite? Wait um, a minute. Uh, no, you're not done. <laughs> I am not finished. All right, let's, let's keep on keeping on them. Who's running this show here, sister? <laughs> Um, so, uh... I can't get my goddamn cherry, and it's pissing me off. <laughs> you can't get, your you can't get it. I gotta wait for the ice to mount. Continue. Your, let me get your cherry for I'm you, John. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so there was work. Um, I went to, uh, I had a fantastic weekend with the engineer. Nice. It was nice. very nice. Um, He's really cute, by the way. Ooh, I know. Thank you. I mean, I didn't make him, but... <laughs> Yes, I agree. You partied too hard last night. We did. We did. Uh, I drank a little bit too much, so I feel like dog shit today. But mm. um, but it was fun. Uh, he's a fun dude. And uh, we went to see um, a band called uh, Giant Dog mm. at Three Links. Um, did you see that show Girl Boss? No. No. Okay. I know about it, though. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a song on that show, and... They played it. I didn't realize that this was the band that we were seeing until they played that song. And I was like, I know that from somewhere. Anyway, uh, we had a nice time. That reminds me of a time that I didn't... Um, I think che- our friend Chelsea saw Patti Smith when she played in Deep Ellum. And uh, she sang the night, uh, the song Before the Night. And then the people there were like, oh my God, she's covering the 10,000 Maniacs. <laughs> it's like what <laughs> or you know Kids like nirvana today. when nirvana covered the david bowie song the man who sold the world and people were like oh my god david bowie's covering nirvana mm-hmm. what I love that. <laughs> um, crazy yeah so there was a there was a band that we saw open for them called son of stan that was some fucking garbage those guys. Well, never gonna play them on the show. No, fuck those guys. <laughs> These fucking twenty-eight-year-old bastards that are like bringing back the eighties. Mm-hmm. Mm. Fuck you guys. God damn it. Now I'm mad. <laughs> there were some really good jams in the eighties, though. Did they have like eighty synthesizers and stuff like that, or a they guitar? They had a keyboard. Mm. Uh, these these like. Two of the dudes had like fucking handlebar mustaches, oh, okay. and I'm, a, I'm off now. One guy was wearing a gold chain. Meg has a certain level of it can only be so fake. Yes, they're like they're like an amalgamation of what they think the '80s should have. Yes, been. but wow. they weren't there. Right. Yeah, um, that's a good point. God, I was so angry. I was so angry about that. <laughs> um, that's what I get angry about. Not uh, did you not throw your, did you throw stuff. your underwear at them? No, I wasn't oh. wearing any. <laughs> it's like I had, a, I had a coworker who was born in 1989, and she said she was a child of the 80s. And I had to oh. say, actually, no, you were not, because you don't remember the 80s. Yeah, open hand slap her in the face. <laughs> oh. 
I'm feeling angry now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, well, uh, okay. How was your week? Uh, better than yours. Hmm. I uh, created a prank war at, at work, which is amazing. Yeah. That I think everybody should do that. And, and when I was setting up, so I bought all these fake cockroaches that look actually pretty real. They're pretty authentic looking. And, you know, cockroaches, people aren't going to get too up close to see is this plastic or not. So I set some of those around the office and it had a great effect. But then people from other departments were, would come up to me and act like it was contraband and ask me for some cockroaches to like prank their coworkers. <laughs> I said, sure, here you go. They're like whispering. Yeah. Hey, they totally were like, hey, I heard that you had the cockroaches. Do you have the stuff? And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. The good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's in my, my uh, bottom drawer. <laughs> How much? Um, my my uh, coworker named Courtney, she uh, had the poor timing of being on vacation last week because it was all it was like Wednesday it was like the cockroach prank prank war it's done yeah she she does not know the cockroach prank war and she had left her water bottle out and so I put a, a cockroach inside her water bottle so that when Monday morning comes around and she goes to clean her. Uh, water bottle out she's gonna have a little surprise can't wait for that um i saw captain marvel on friday it's pretty good very cool not the best marvel movie not the worst either um gotten to some internet arguments with some marvel fanboys that are toxic and don't seem to understand why representation matters i love when you do that doesn't understand why Hey, this movie's not marketed towards you, so you might have a different reaction to a strong female superhero than somebody else from a more marginalized society. Like, okay, so all these superhero movies, I've teared up twice yeah. in superhero movies. One was Wonder Woman, the other one was Captain Marvel. See, now, are, when you argue with people on the internet, are they people you know or are they complete strangers? Complete strangers. No, see, it doesn't matter. I just. Man, you cannot play like whack a mole with every <laughs> rando. You will waste your life fighting with but people. But it feels who... so good to see other people giving a little heart heart to my comments. Oh my gosh, you. <laughs> oh, gracious. The other one I got into. Okay, so, so Marvel supposedly is. They're trying to find an openly gay male actor to play. A I heard about this. Openly gay yeah, superhero. Yeah, yeah. The comments, of course, were terrible because they're like, you know, isn't this. Like, how, why can't a straight actor play you know and then the, my favorite one is like this is in, they're trying to indoctrinate children yeah oh my god oh. or that is somehow gonna make kids gay if they see gay people oh they can give it to you <laughs> well, they, you can get and gay. i just have to remind them hey both of my parents are straight mm-hmm. didn't work on you must have gotten it at school or something yeah i don't know where you picked it up but um but the Water the, the topic that i want to talk about today um this this news article uh came about Actually, this morning, I woke up to pee at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was actually 4 o'clock because the time changed. And um, when I can't get to sleep, I, I like to look at you know Twitter and stuff and Facebook. So listen to this, guys. Teenager suing clinic for aborting his girlfriend's pregnancy without his consent. Hmm. Um, he's suing the clinic? He's suing the clinic. Okay. That's, I'm going to have to read this article. That's basically what he's going. Um, Where is this? This is... Alabama. Alabama. How old is this gentleman? Um, he was 19 then. It's He's suing something that happened two years ago, so I'm assuming that means he is now 21. Hmm. This gentleman sewer. Uh, 
his even though it's a red flag. Uh, I wish I could do an Alabama accent. Even though there's nothing I can do for the situation I was in, everything turns into like Jeff Sessions for me. <laughs> there is yeah, something I can do the for the future situations for other people. The girlfriend was reportedly six weeks along in her pregnancy before she took two pills for the abortion. Um, he uh, so apparently he's saying that he was ready to step up to become a father. Um, <laughs> oh well. Here's your medal, you fucking hero. While he's obviously defending his client, this is the the attorney, he does recognize that if the court sides with them, it could have some far-reaching consequences, one of those being what happens if a female rape victim has to give birth to a baby conceived with the rapist because he wants the child. Mm. So, I mean, I, I'm hoping that his, I mean, his... Uh, Wait, did she have an abortion she had an or abortion. she took a morning-after pill? Uh, well, no, she took an abortive. They're, they come Six weeks pills. after, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's the morning after that just stops the in, the egg mm-hmm. from being implanted, and there's other pills that can do. It's just another pills. random Thank you for explaining yeah. uh, that to me, John. <laughs> well, you act as if you didn't fucking know, Megan. Do you want to tell me about tampons now, too? Um, <laughs> always take one, take the old one out before you put the new one in. Oh, shit. Because I'm not going to get toxic. Sage advice. No, toxic du- vagina no double, syndrome. No double stacking out. <laughs> well, I mean, if you leave that first one in there for a while, you can eventually pull them both out at the same time because they'll stick together. Oh, Ew. that's cute. See that? That That is so undeniable. I don't know that that's true. I've not tried that, but I can let you know. So what do you guys they're gonna, think? They're going to have it on Mythbusters. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's no law, A, that says that it requires consent of the supposed father anyway. So the whole, this whole thing is bullshit. And it's... No. Uh, no. Infuriating. Yeah, man. Uh, as soon as you blow your load, you've you've lost all of your your rights to decide what you're going to do with your jizz. There is that movement that's trying to, to put the yeah, pressure personhood. on... Yeah. yeah, the personhood movement. And always bullshit. Like, it it's... Some people have some success, and there's always like a tug of war. Like, obviously, this lawsuit is going to burden the woman and drag up her decisions, and and it's going to uh, essentially just drag her against the grain until it resolves. But, I mean, these are just like the feeble death flails of someone on the losing side of history. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the things that I really want to talk about is how in just the ambiance of all of this negativity that, and we talked about this over brunch a little bit, is that since we are all carrying windows that can look into windows in everyone else's houses all over the planet, like you can tap into any um, flow of negativity that you want to. Uh, And I actually got a news story that just dropped into my feed um, earlier this week that just hit me and I just wept. Like just, it hit me like a dart. It was so foul and disgusting and so palpable that I was just like, well, you know, sometimes microaggressions and the various little things uh, that we walk through, the various um, status ailments that we get over the week, um, like build up and it's death of a thousand paper cuts. But this one was just an arrow that just got shot right into the back of my heel and I was dead. Hmm. Like, uh, and it was just, yeah, it was just a real nasty one. And so you have to kind of train yourself to be a hot knife that cuts through all of it so you can keep achieving your goals. 
and I just kind of want to be like, don't drink poison on purpose. <laughs> and and also, like, be careful with your sensitive friends. Uh, one of the things that I maintained with my relationship uh, years ago is that uh, I was really in love with my husband for the righteousness of his anger. Like, it was very sexy to see him be so sane and so supportive and just he didn't have to be told he was just already he was just already on wavelength uh and so i used to kind of poke him to see the beauty of his righteous anger and then people started doing that to me and so in my house i have a saying don't exacerbate my madnesses like don't hit me like with things just so you can see how beautiful the flame of my rage is like that's not a thing you do to friends and and yeah and so like to essentially be gentle with forcing people to carry your emotions because we can we can all sit and just like you know masturbate our rage boners forever there's so much gross shit happening like that dude feeling so entitled to his girlfriend's uh you know like body well that's <laughs> see yeah. We talked a little bit about at brunch where I, me 15 years ago yeah. could see how um, a man might be ready, feel like he is ready to create a family yeah. and uh, his female partner saying, you know, I could understand that conflict yeah, of, he feels robbed. I want a child, that yeah. child, like I take half ownership of that child and totally disregarding that yeah. that's that woman's body. Well, kind of like a sex act, it's not the decision of just one person. Yeah. If if there are two people in a sex act, if there are two people in a procreative act, and only one person is making the decision, dragging the other person along, that is violation. Like, and why would anyone want to make a life choice based on a violation? Mm-hmm. Like, don't. And that's why we have laws, because our our natural instinct has been so vestigially sexist that we barely even notice until we have these conversations, that we barely even notice that someone's being misogynistic until, uh, yeah, like until we experience it ourselves. Like, uh, yeah, like we... Well, it just seems so cruel and inhumane to force a woman to carry to term a child that she does not want. Well, I have to, like, also come from it from an understanding of, like, it's a highly charged and emotional topic. Mm. I would never, ever, ever tell a woman or anyone what they can or cannot do with their body. Appropriate. You would make a great boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) At the same time... You hear that, Michael? (laughs) At the same time, do I feel that at the moment of conception is this a human being that has rights? At the same time... Do we come across it as, well, it's part of his intellectual property or maybe part of his own property that was half of it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, and that's very, that's very I'm not that I think that, but yeah. it's a couple of questions that come to my head. But at the same time, I think to myself, excuse me, I think to myself, I don't know this man. I don't know this woman. Yeah. That's a headline that's being blurped. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. I read further, that's a story that's been edited in such a way mm. for either me to be charged with it or not. Yeah. Um, so... Until I know their narrative, I'm, I'm not going to opine on it. Yeah. And the fact that the whole like toxicity of the news media coming in, at this point now, I already 
either snooze somebody for 30 days for what they're posting <laughs> or block them and delete them. If it's not, if it's not, have I been snoozed? <laughs> no, your stuff, your stuff is hilarious. Your stuff is hilarious. But I feel like, like, let's say if this, if this court decision does go out in such, such a way that there's legal precedence, at least in Alabama, yeah. that for any woman who wants to get an abortion, she has to have the, quote, consent of the uh, male sperm donor. No. That's dangerous, and there's no. I don't think at that point there's no way to prove. I think genetically, I think there's the father. There's a process, and also the sensibilities of each generation changes. So we're getting to the point that our sensibilities are not what they were in the seventies, and the eighties, and the sixties. Mm. And also, what was I going to go with this? Something about the fact that um, oh. There's, I mean, there's they, more, they try to pass laws that more, had like parental consent, and even that is like no, it's, it's, that's bullshit. That's there's one more, person who has to more carry at play it. Play here though about that is why did they create a child or get pregnant? Was there no communication? Was there no protection being used? Was she not doing? And it's not. Just, but that a child's not, not a punishment. No, 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 yeah. no. Exactly, but it's not her responsibility only to be on the pill. Why didn't he use a condom? Mm-hmm. Mistakes happen, things break, but there's more at play here. Than just that, and there's a consequence. A child is not a punishment or a bad consequence. There's a lot at play here mm-hmm. than just the black and white. I think of anything, and I don't. And I mean, and you're going to be tied to this person forever. Maybe that person is not somebody that she wanted to be tied to. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I I am a big proponent of. Uh, not having to want to be tied to every dude that you bang. <laughs> but I do like the no. movement of blaming men for any unwanted pregnancies, because right now in our society, it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> when they're like the ones at fault it seems for to me, sperm flying. <laughs> like, if you have released the sperm, it's, it's the s- same thing to me as, like, putting your garbage out on the <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> And now anybody can get it, right? It's fucking the police get to come and go through your trash and finger you for a murder if you did it. So many descriptive I know, you like that. I've been watching murder shows all week. I like to think of mine as like royal jelly. It's it's pristine. Your royal jelly. You put your royal jelly out on the curb. I've heard it's good for the skin. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Liz Fair Fair thinks so. What is royal jelly, just as a side note? I've Um, heard it. It's... Jelly that bees make. To, oh, to I thought it was just a. Uh, My God, what, what, no, what <laughs> I thought it was, was jelly it, that, for for the queen. Yeah, like it's a apiarist. A Deep Valley. That's who had. They had a. I think they had a song called Royal Jelly mm-hmm. on their Femagism album. It was about bees me. Make. <laughs> <laughs> it's jelly bees make to feed their babies. Ooh, ooh, gross. <gasps> Do you see, they have they have um, this thing where you can you can have like a beehive. But it's like it's like a, where you can see the inside of it. You could have it like on your window, like, you like cut an a little ant, window, kind of like out. an ant farm. Yes, yeah. Do it, Megan. You should do it. Why? Sh- why? Why should I do it? You guys have windows, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. Next, no, I don't. No, I don't have windows. You don't have windows. I've got like s- s- floor to. S- I've got huge like windows, not like a window so like yes. that. I have no window that I can open up. No window sill. Like no window like that. Uh, does that? Do you have a door? Yeah, a patio. Open? Okay. You've been to my place before. Yeah, it's been a while. I couldn't remember if it opened or not because I've never been on your patio. Yeah, it's a shame because my cats, I used to like get those little things, you know, where they can have like their little bed on the window. Mm, yeah. And they love that. Cats love sunlight. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Nezu. Oh. 
Uh, we have see. solved abortion in this whole case. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> He's it's, wrong. The Moving on. Is done and over with. <laughs> He's uh, an awful human see. being. <laughs> let's see here. Um, he'll make he'll make somebody a wonderful father, but just not right now. Abort <laughs> him. We go back retroactively and us, have yeah. him aborted. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So my week. Uh, at work was just a wall of sticky notes and story planning and just getting really like super granular with, uh, uh, you know, the up, down button states, user interface, that type of stuff. Very boring. Up, down, um, up, down, left, right, left, right. Contra. Nice, nice, nice. And like, uh, and then, um, but <gasps> my internet, uh, mm. like my high school like interwebs of all of like my high school friends was very interesting this week. One is that in the social media gotta catch them all Pokemon game of getting catching a photo with a famous person. A friend of mine from high school um, went to a meeting with Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson. Oh wow! I know. I was like, mm. like I was like, who's that? I know, oh, I know the name. Virgin, I just can't. Virgin I can't think of what it looks like. Oh, okay, I know, I know. I the, the, the photograph, yes. Virgin Obama. Cola. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but the like, Virgin thing. But like I said, like Virgin as, America. As far as like the this will help his career to say that he's been in a room with this dude and the oh. story and the potency of all that. Like, you know, like he met Richard Branson and, and I was like, as far as the Pokemon game of like social medias goes, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And so kudos to him. That was very cool. And I was and I like to see like my adjacents have success. And uh, the other one, uh, which I like to say, like a segment of. Like I said, we can really bathe and luxuriate in negativity all the time. I love that word, luxuriate. <laughs> but like, uh, but I actually had a few really auspicious portents this week. Like, and one was I had another high school friend. Like I said, like a lot of movement on the high school friends uh, this week. But I had a high school friend whose friendship I kind of mourned as dead because what he went forth to do with his career is he went forth to be a pastor of an all-black uh, Baptist church, and he was naturally very homophobic, and so I was kind of like, I love you, but I, I guess we're just not going to be close anymore, and like you're, you're going on doing really destructive things. But just last week, he turned around and was like, just made a hard line very publicly on the internet of, we have got to stop this, the danger of Islamophobia, the danger of calling pro-choice people murders, the danger, like he just took a really publicly nuanced stance and just the uh, the publicness and the use of his platform of being a pastor and to um, to kind of like show the like the othering that like his all-black congregation experiences and then to be like, please juxtapose yourself in the position please use your imagination and see ha- the harm that uh these women that have abortions have these uh muslim american citizens that have to live in this country uh with the threat of being kind of picked off uh these uh, um, these gay people that ha- live under the threat of being picked off when we ascribe hate mm-hmm. when we use our uh culture to create 
hate, it hurts people. Yeah, especially when you know there are probably some closeted gay men and women in his congregation. Yeah, and like, and so essentially, like that, he just kind of did a pivot, like, uh, and then simultaneously, I I saw my friend make this very important, very nuanced pivot, and he really put his neck on the line. He really like got a lot of pushback, and is going to be feeling the pushback, but he's standing strong. I was like, well, that, you know is progress. That's an auspicious portent. And simultaneously, I was just driving home, and I saw another church uh, with a rainbow flag. Um, And I was like, if certain people who we deemed uh, natural enemies in the wild, because there are definitely people who I like, like I said, like you isolate their language, you can already feel that kind of like, you're my natural enemy in the wild. Mm. And so... There has been this uh, abrasion between the LGBT community and Christians forever, mm-hmm. obviously, because uh, there are Christian 501c3s. That, oh, yeah. Whenever when yeah. somebody announces God, Jesus, or any sort of Christianity right off the top of the bat, I look at them very suspiciously. Exactly. Like, that's like you're, you're already, you're already shields guarded, up. Guarded, yeah. Yeah, you're already shields up. You're already guarded. And so, but the fact that one by one, like, people are burying the hatchets, and and so, like, we can cycle back in, like, this childish war of you once hurt me, and I remember, and I won't forget, or we can, or we can see that there are some people attempting to make a difference, and I think this is an auspicious portent. Like, you gotta take it where you can get it. Mm-hmm. And this friend of mine that was a homophobic uh, pastor of an all-black church that decided to go uh, LGBT integration and really put his neck out on the line and risk his career, like, I never thought I would see this from him. Did you speak to him about that? Like, what is the... Um, uh how did how did that happen? Well, he he went publicly on the internet to to say that he was pivoting in that direction. No, uh, yeah, I, um, but I guess what I'm asking is how how did he come to that conclusion that he? I was... haven't asked him because, like I said, like it was one of those relationships that I had just kind of mourned, yeah, and then walked in my direction, and he took his path, um, and like. I don't know how he came to it. I I deeply think that uh, essentially he was listening to the hate in his congregation, mm-hmm. and he saw some analogs. I from what he has been currently preaching, like I think that he just palpably felt some analogs. Uh, and I wish everyone could do that. I wish everyone could isolate the things that make us different, and then realize that we all have. Things that endanger us, that that like people are willing to hurt us for because of who we are, mm-hmm. and then to protect each other, uh, and that's that's just what my friend did. My friend stepped up, and he, like I, I'm so proud of him. That's what I told. I was I was like, thank you for growing into like, because he's a little younger than I am. Uh, I was like, thank you for growing into such a nuanced man. Like you're a good dude. Thank you for this, because uh, he doesn't have to like. He, he in no way has to take a controversial view and become all of a sudden a controversial pastor because that's just what he did. He officially <clears throat> went from 
pastor to controversial pastor because that's what you do when you when you add another intersection uh, to your uh, to what you're preaching and yeah and he's he essentially started a journey is what he did because uh, it's not over essentially he started it like he is now uh, what I told you like the the whack a mole mm-hmm. of uh, um, of trying to um, get everyone on your page that's what he essentially just started is that now that he has public gone public with his views uh, he is going to hear every um, like everyone's going to come out of the woodwork that disagrees with him and he is going to have to one one-on-one diplomat through his whole congregation is what he's up to right now. I don't want to on this. It's an adjacent topic that I was thinking of. Um, why is there a stereotype of the black community being homophobic? Cause I hear that a lot and I don't think that are we all being gaslit because I don't think that they're, any more homophobic than any other community, to be perfectly honest, because I've felt plenty of homophobia from okay. white folks. So, so hold on. Uh, let's see here. So, so I know we're all, not nobody let, here. Ever. Let me already tell you is that one of my very favorite things for anyone to do to me is why do black people? Any any conversation that starts with why do black people? Uh, that is that's not what I, I said. Why is there that stereotype? Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, I have a friend that does this to me. I all get the that time. very similar. Why do Hispanics? Why do Latinos? Yeah, but yeah. either either way. Not that you were doing that, but I. I no, I'm just wondering right. why that stereotype exists because I over um, uh, the two short, of my coworkers answer, were talking about the about empire. The short an- answer is imperialism. Uh, oh. We infected all of our worst habits all over the world uh, with our Victorian just bullshittery, mm-hmm. uh, and just yeah. Uh, lots of that's why. So that's, well, I remember like, my short answer talking is talking about about in, about the show Empire. Yeah, and uh, African American people, and they were talking about well, that doesn't they don't like that in the black community. I'm like, but that's not. I don't that like. There's plenty of homophobia in the white community, so I don't yeah. understand why there's again. I don't like, get it. Yeah, again, like. You're right. Like I don't understand. There, it's not. It doesn't seem fair at all. There, there is plenty. Like to go back in every community, there, there is homophobia in in every community, uh, and it is one of those things that we just have to. It's based on, and I. Oh God. There is so much mistrust between everyone. There's so much, yeah. Like first of all, a uh, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna end that with that imperialism. We fucked everything up, <laughs> and uh, uh, there's a lot of things that play. Also, has to do with um, education, um, cultural standing, um, hierarchy yeah, like, in society. Like I I could yeah. go into it. I've I've got uh, I've got a surrogate parent that thinks. Oh no, I don't want to talk about that. That's too that's too intimate. That's too much family stuff. Family stuff stays in the family. <laughs> like uh, uh but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I've heard the same thing and I've seen it adjacent or in parallel to my life, but I've never experienced that in like the Latino community. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced that um myself, the whole like, you know, men should be men and blah blah blah. But I've seen that's, it. That's that's interesting cuz the stereotype for Latinos is all the machismo and Yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada, and so, yada, yada. In my, I was just very lucky. And so when I came out really young to 
my cousins and my uncles and my aunts, they were like, oh, okay, that's okay. Probably because they knew. But the fact that I never received that, even in Catholic school, when I, in confession, I told the priest, they were like, yeah. I was surprised. They, when I was very young, I was told, well, God is a God of love, and God creates love, and God is love, so however people love each other is okay. I didn't think that I was going to get that response. I am a minority in getting that response and like having that experience, but I've seen it play out where it's like, you know, men don't do that, and men blah, blah, blah. And it leads to depression and anxiety and drug use and abuse and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's in the experience that one has. But Like, as I get older, one thing that I'm trying, one prejudice that I'm trying to um, unwrite for myself is to be more open to people that are religious and because before that, as soon as I like, I would probably say I'm an atheist and I don't like religion and I don't like you know people that are religious and because I didn't trust them because yeah. in the past I've been on the receiving end of a lot of hate and so when everybody says you know I would I would just I would prejudge them. So for example, um, I was listening to a podcast that they interview former professional wrestlers. And there's a professional wrestler named Molly Holly. I knew that she was religious, you know, um, but I always also knew that she was really, really cool. And so when she was talking about her faith, um, she mentioned, like, without even being prompted by the host, that unfortunately with religion, um, there are some extremis, extremists that kind of, like, you know, give a set of certain type of, like... Uh, She's basically, she said, you know, like people that are extremely anti-gay, they kind of, I'm paraphrasing, give a bad word for all of us. Um, and I don't know, that kind of touched me. I was like, oh my God, she's, without even being prompted, you know, and that makes me think like, oh, she's an ally. Because mm. before I'm like, I think she's really cool. I knew that she was very charitable as part of her, her faith. She donated 40% of her, her income annually to different charities mm. and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I took over your week. <laughs> no I did problem. a thing I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> hey, can we take like a short break though? Yeah. Pause. We're back. Welcome back, friends. Megan. Yeah. We're back. Yuck. And we're back. A lot of shit happened during that break. So much shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just all over the place. Um... Okay. Well, are we finished here? Or are we we can do like other? what? What was it? What would you? What was that word that you used? Luxuriate. No, luxuriate. not luxuriate. Another one, like, like a positive thing, because that's what I wanted to call the episode, but I forgot. What it was. Oh, some like potent, the auspicious, portent. auspicious portent. Yes. Ah. There was a meme that that goes around like once a year, and every single time I get it, I'll like retweet it um, about the. The guy that worked at the gay bookstore. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. So there's a man that worked at the gay bookstore. This is a, maybe we should like leave every episode now with something heartwarming. Mm. Um, so he was he was working word. at. That's gonna be a tall order. I'm not. <laughs> well, we at least I have one this week. Okay. So long story short, the, this man worked at this gay bookstore, and a customer called in. And it was a, a man that was in crisis that said that he had feelings that, that uh, he may be gay and he was experiencing thoughts of self-harm. Hmm. This guy working at a bookstore, he, you know, he, he's not a crisis center, so he didn't really know what to do. But he, so, and he had a long line of customers um, going, but he was talking to this, th- this guy and, and trying to help him out. 
And uh, this woman in her 50s, a lesbian, tapped him on the shoulder and said, give me the phone, it's my turn. And she talked to him. And then everybody, she passed the phone on and talked oh, to beautiful. everybody oh, in the customer to help this guy that. out. Oh, gosh, I love that. I know. And it brought tears to my eyes. And so every single time I get it, I have to pass it on. I feel like crying. It's actually very touching. <laughs> you know, I, feel, I feel like, wow, it's, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Why was he on the phone to the gay bookstore? Because he was going to kill himself. Because he thought he was gay, and he didn't know. He didn't know what other resources. What other, he were. didn't have the yeah. So he called oh. the gay bookstore instead. We used to have a gay bookstore in Oakland. Mm-hmm. We did. What's a gay bookstore? A bookstore that sells gay stuff. Mm-hmm. Like all you know that sell gay there stuff? used to be like a tiny little LGBT section what, what and borders. Um. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and and Barnes and Noble. Is it Barnes and Noble or Barnes and Nobles? I think it's just singular. So noble. just imagine Barnes that, but like a big bookstore. It was Crossroads. That's what it was. Yeah. In Oakland back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Now it's Tape Lenders. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh-huh. Down there. Where Hunkies now is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, there's, I mean, that's why bars matter so much to the gay and lesbian community because that's, you know, their safe spot. And we kind of touched on that. Yeah, you know what, actually, like, so I went on this epically terrifying business trip to Macon, Georgia once. Like, it was was just the scariest business trip you could imagine. It happened two weeks before the 2016 election, and I was in Macon, Georgia with all of these other engineers, and I was having... Yeah, like it was just, it was a truly terrifying business trip the whole time. Uh, just white-knuckled, like sheer panic the whole time I was there. And I actually got in a, uh, I got in a, um, what's the word, a lift to a gay bar. And I had actually never been to a gay bar before. Like I was, I was in my 30s and I'd never been to a gay bar before. Uh, but I just needed to get away from the experience of this particular Macon, Georgia business trip. And and I was like, well, I am getting into a lift as a single woman to a gay bar in the middle of South Georgia. <laughs> and this is how people disappear. And again, I just felt scared the whole time. And I had nothing that I would consider club wear. I looked like I was going to Sunday school. And it was just, I was like, oh, man. But I got into this gay bar and I understood the safe space. Like, I understood because there was um, two female sex workers there that had, like, facial tattoos, and they came up and they embraced me, and they were like, let us know if you need anything, and calmed me down, smoothed down. Just It was just emoliating to everything. There was, uh, there was like, an 80-year-old black dude that got up and pole danced, like, <laughs> epically, like, epically bent himself into shapes, and then did a blues set, and then just old hippies, like, again, like, there's just, like, these old Rosicrucians with, like, pigtails and straw hats, and I sat down uh, and started working on a tarot. A friend of mine wanted me to design his tarot at the time, and I didn't know anything about it, complete ignorance, Uh, and so I was doodling, and this drunk 50-year-old came up to me and, and, like, just started like lecturing me about how my illustration was reinventing the wheel and how like you kids don't know anything about the tarot. And then he wandered off. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and then I sat and talked with a construction worker about a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, role playing game for hmm. about two hours. 
And then I went home feeling kind of refreshed. And I was like, so when people say like the gay bars are the safe spaces of the LGBT community, I think about my first gay bar in Macon, Georgia, as a complete adult. Like, seriously, I was 30 years old um, and had never wandered in. And uh, and how it just really made me feel okay to be back in Georgia because I have really complicated experiences with Georgia. And yeah, like, um, you know, long live, live long and prosper, gay bars. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maxwell? I had a similar experience happen. Um, well, actually, so there is an article where they were doing research on the death of the gay club and mm. the gay bar mm. worldwide um, that came out a few years ago. And um, the study was done in London where the acclimation with the gay culture or gay society for the generation that's there, they really don't need the safe space anymore so much as like we did when we were younger. Um, so worldwide, the gay bars are closing. And especially even in London and New York City, mm. they're, they're becoming, you know, less and less... Um, but not in rural America. Mm, yeah. Not rural. So um, when I was working for another country, oh, sorry, working as another country with, as an engineer, um, I was sent to Wyoming. Um, and so um, different little towns in Wyoming, I went looking for the gay bars there. Yeah. And in the cities, we tend to have segregation of younger and older, different cultures, different mm-hmm. races in the gay community, lesbians and gays. But in small towns, in the one gay bar that they have, I, I you know, got my rental car, went there, found at some little hole in the wall. There are gays of all cultures, all races. Everybody was embracing each other. That's all you have. That's all you... That, I felt the safe space there. Yeah. And I had not felt that, like, in, in decades. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was interesting. Yeah. It, it really was one of those, like, like, save points on your adventure map. It's a very touching moment to, like, feel like I connect with people that I don't even know by yeah. the mere fact that I... Yeah. Yeah, catch a breather. Well, enjoy the song Arcade Rambler by the Budos Band. Megan, do you have any final last words before we go? Not one. Are you feeling any better? I do feel a little better, yes. Thank you for okay. asking. All right. It's very good. sweet of you. You're very sweet, John. And thank you, Maxwell, for joining us. Thank yes. you so much for having me. Nezu. Oh, thank you for having me again. Thank you Check for coming out back here. Dating in the, the Big D. D. Yeah, Give all that information out. When's the new episode, the newest, newer episode? Never! Actually, your episode comes out mm-hmm. um, this week. Oh, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Belongs to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous that you said that your teenage neighbor or nephews listen. Mm-hmm. And I totally, like, preached threesomes on my episode. <laughs> we've heard so... We've, okay. we've talked about so much worse. Um, Dating in the Big D, available on iTunes and SoundCloud, datinginthebigd.com, also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. All right. And Thank we've you. got Porpoise Crispy Podcast, also on iTunes. I love that name. It needs Thank to get you. on my podcatcher. It's not there yet. Uh, it's also on Spotify. I don't know what that is. It needs to get on... Uh, what is this called? I don't even know what this fucking app that I use is called, but it needs to get on that too, because it's not on okay. there yet. I will get right on you that. Need to get get right on that, Rose. Unknown app. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. O- that's the part that Otino always Yeah, does. he knows that. I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, you can find it. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. No, somebody needs to do the, the heavy metal bye. No. Nobody no. can do it but him. No. Good. <sighs> but he. No. 
Adios. <laughs>